0: do. Good evening. We're welcome to Bedtime Stories with Thompson. We're reading the Oregon Trail by Francis Parkman. This is chapter Seven: A Sioux Feast. Fort Laramie was one of the posts established by the American Fur Company, which pretty much controlled the Indian trade in this region. The fort lay about 700 miles beyond the westernmost outposts of American troops. Built of sun-dried bricks made from clay, the fort was rectangular, with block houses at two of the corners, in addition to the one above the entrance. The clay walls stood about 15 feet high, and rising from them was a palisade of slender stakes. The open space inside was enclosed by little cabins built right up against the walls. These were workshops, storerooms, and living quarters for the men employed at the fort, or for the equally numerous squaws they were allowed to keep in it. The roofs of all these buildings served as gunners' platforms. Part of the open space was set aside as a corral, into which horses and mules were crowded for safekeeping at night or in the presence of suspicious Indians visiting the fort. Tall Indians, wrapped in their white buffalo robes, strode across the area or rested at full length on the low roofs of the buildings that surrounded it. Many squaws, gaily dressed, sat grouped in front of the rooms they occupied as their restless and noisy half-breed children rambled in every direction through the fort. Trappers, traders, and employees of the fort were busy at their work of their amusements. The morning after we arrived, Old Smokes people were seen crossing Laramie Creek on their approach to the fort. The swift waters of the creek were alive with dogs, horses, and Indians. Some of the horses carried the long poles used in pitching the lodges. One end of each pole was tied to a rough pack saddle, the other dragged along the ground. A basket was tied between these poles, and those Indians' goods not piled on the horses' backs were carried in these baskets." Some of these baskets contained litters of puppies, broods of small children, or wrinkled old men. A great many of these curious vehicles, Travois, the Canadians called them, splashed together through the creek. Among them swam countless dogs, often burdened with small Travois as well. The warriors dashed forward on horseback through this throng. The women sat perched on the pack saddles, aiding to the burden of the already overloaded horses. The confusion was enormous. Dogs yelled and howled in chorus. Puppies in the travois whined, and little black-eyed children sputtered and clung fast to the baskets as the water splashed against their faces. Before long, they all reached the bank, and soon the crowd melted away. Each family with its horses and goods filed off to the plain behind the fort, where, in half an hour, we saw sixty or seventy of their cone-shaped lodges rise up. Their horses were feeding by the hundreds over the surrounding prairie, and their dogs were roaming everywhere. The fort was full of warriors, and the Indian children were whooping and yelling endlessly under its walls. Scarcely had these newcomers arrived when we saw a heavy caravan of emigrant wagons steadily advancing from the hills. They reached the river, plunged right in, and passed through. After they slowly lumbered up the bank, they rolled a quarter of a mile past the fort and the Indian village. Then they stopped and wheeled their wagons into a circle. In a short time... Fort Laramie was taken by storm, as the emigrants busied themselves buying or trading for the supplies needed for their journey onward. Most of our evenings at Fort Laramie were spent in the Indian village, for the Indians looked on Quincy as something of a doctor and welcomed us warmly. Their most common complaint was severe inflammation of the eyes, caused by exposure to the sun. This Quincy treated rather successfully with remedies from our small medicine chest. On one visit, we sat on buffalo robes in Old Old Smoke's shabby teepee. Even though Old Smoke was their chief, the Sioux had a democratic community, and the chief never lived better than anyone else, nor was he treated better than anyone else. Therefore, Quincy treated all, from the chief's own pretty daughter to the ugliest hag in the village. As we sat watching Quincy at work, Smoke's oldest squaw entered the lodge and set before us a large wooden bowl of boiled dog meat, a Sioux delicacy. Quincy and I looked at each other and gulped, but we knew that a dog feast was the greatest compliment a Sioux could offer his guest and that to refuse it would be an insult. So we attacked the dog feast and ate heartily. After we finished, Old Smoke prepared his great pipe. He lit it and we passed it from one to another, each inhaling a few puffs and handing it on until the bowl was empty. This done, we left our Indian friends and returned to the fort. It was a short one, but boy, was that action. That was packed with good stuff, huh? End of chapter 7. Because chap- Coming up, chapter 8. War. 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 War? War. War? War. War with an exclamation point. War with a question mark. Anyways, War. that's the end of chapter 7 and all we have time for tonight. Good night. Good night.